And welcome back to the Cooler Jits podcast. Where it's Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, it's been quite the week. Trade deadline passed, Morstead interview, and now we're here. Chargers preview on Friday. Big game on Monday. Jets four and three opportunity to get another win in the AFC, improve to four wins in a row. Um, they fly out to, to Vegas the week after to face a team that just fired their head coach. So an opportunity for the Jets to potentially get in a bit of a run here. They're already on one, but three wins, four wins, five wins, heading into that Bills game. It's all in front of them. Three of the next four games are, are primetime games, if you count that Black Friday game against the Dolphins. So a big stage here for the Jets. So let's hop into it. First, Michael, though, let's take a moment, talk about the Giants game. You and I both had a chance to watch the All-22, and I'll start with this. I think the last few weeks, just for – scheduling reasons or whatnot we've done the post game pods uh the next day and it's given us a chance to rewatch the game and i feel like those are honestly better pods because i was listening back to our, our pod last week and i was like you know what after watching the all 22 i i know some people are gonna shake their heads with this maybe i was too hard on zach i mean i've been i've been too light on him at sometimes and then after that game we were talking about how it was one of the ugliest games of all time and which yes it probably was you know both teams considered but rewatching zach's performance was it that much different than his performance against the Eagles or the Broncos, especially losing his two centers in terrible weather? What do you think? Also, hi. How are yeah. you doing? <laughs> hi. I am here as well. Um, yeah, I mean, this is definitely the week to, I would say, go to bat for Zach Wilson because, you know, it's it's one of those games where the product you see on the field is ugly. It's low scoring. The stats are bad. The offense is bad. And it's very easy to pin all that in the quarterback. And we've seen plenty of games in Zach Wilson's career when all that stuff happens. And he is a, a big part of that, if not the main reason for that. Um, but this is one game where he was not even in the top three to five reasons for the offensive struggles. Let's not say he's completely absolved of blame or that he was great because there were definitely plays uh, where he was at fault and there are things he can do better. Uh, but with that being said, I think, if you liked or not even liked, but were okay with his Philly and Denver performances, I think this was of a similar caliber. He's at the point where he's, he's there. He's on the field. He's not dragging the team down like he was last year. He's inconsequential. I would say to the performance of the offense, which means if the supporting cast is playing terribly, that's how the offense is going to look because he's not a team raiser right now. He's not the second overall pick uh, or playing to the level that you would expect out of, someone drafted there Um, but what he also is in right now is a guy who is going to take what the rest of the team is doing and pull them even further down that's what he was last year and we saw games like the game in New England last year the first New England game the the Detroit game where you know they had a chance to win because the defense played so great but he just couldn't get over that hump at the end and throughout the game he was making mistakes that buried them into deeper holes but in this game I think there were a lot of opportunities for him to do that, to make mistakes that made the game even worse. But outside of obviously the first drive, he didn't really make those mistakes. And then when they had that last ditch chance at the end, he came through and throughout the game, I think there were a lot of good plays he made that often got overlooked because there were a lot of drops, a lot of contested passes that weren't caught. And then there were a lot of ugly plays that, you know, go on a stat sheet as incompletion sack, whatever, but they weren't necessarily his fault. So I'm a vocal Zach Wilson critic when it's warranted, but this is not one of those games. I think he had a, another competent game. He is playing like what the Jets could have, the best they could have hoped for when you found out he's going to be your quarterback for the whole season. He's playing like a decent backup. So 
Uh, so yeah, we'll go through it and look at some of these third downs because obviously third right. down is the main problem, but well, um, it's a lot of yeah. different factors. That's what I was going to get to because we can say all that and say, oh, well, he's actually not playing that badly. But then it's like, well, at the end of the day, the Jets did have seven points until they, they pulled off a miracle against a Giants defense that hasn't been that good. Although I will say the last few weeks, they actually have been playing a lot better. And, you know, clearly the conditions also played a part and the offensive line injuries. But at the end of the day, seven points through 59 minutes of a game is is unacceptable. And it really comes down to what their issues have been all season long, which is red zone and third down. They didn't have too many red zone opportunities. Actually, did they have any red zone opportunities? No, they didn't. It was all third downs. Yeah. So um, outside of, I guess, the end of the game. Um, the, the problem is, is the third down conversions. I mean, they really didn't get any until, weren't they like, oh, for 11? We wrote down all the third downs, by the way. So we're going to go through them quickly. But up until that Zach scramble on like a third and 11, a ton of misses. And so we watched all of them right before recording. Just rewatch, refresh our memory. And let's go through them and see, okay, how much of these are Zach Wilson's fault? How much is on Hackett, how much of his on the offensive line or the receivers. The first one is is the fumble on third and five, which I think, you know, pass protection is to blame because the rush gets there pretty fast. But at the end of the day, Zach Wilson's got to have two hands on the football there. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but I'll just I'm gonna keep going through and if you have anything you want to say, you just you just chime in, all right? Yeah, I mean right. first play, I don't think that was his fault for the play failing, but you definitely just want to have two hands on that ball because he gets caught with one hand on it. And that's why you have the turnover. So not as fall for the failure, but got to have two hands when you know the pressure is coming, I would say. The second one, I'll be honest, watching live, I thought that was like a bubble screen to Gibson. You're saying it's not. Um, it was. It's third and five. I, mean, Gibson I, I feel like turn. on this one, because you know the Giants end up rushing seven, um, or yeah, seven guys, and they have them all up in the line, and Zach immediately turns out to Gibson. And the way his hips are pointed the way his front foot is pointed that feels like he wants to throw in the flat but gibson kind of drifts upfield like maybe it was a designed bubble screen or something like that but it looks like zach's expecting him to be, be hot. hot read here yeah. and he's not prepared to do that so it just feels like a miscommunication or uh most likely on gibson because like zach's reaction here seems very appropriate for the situation and very right. prepared for what could be coming so i i put this one on gibson it doesn't seem like he's ready to, to be hot for this blitz yeah watching live i kind of felt like that was zach's fault but then i agree like watching it re watching it back I, I think you can put it on gibson i think the other thing that may have thrown him off is Kayvon is, is right in his eyesight looking and yeah. potentially could could make a play on that ball um the next one is a third and one stuff to, to Brees hall and that's one where max mitchell just gets absolutely dominated on on that rep I and mean, it was pretty bad pretty bad rep from mitchell yeah, and honestly, like, that's the thing about when you rewatch films. Like, when you're watching a game live and a run doesn't work, you're like, oh, why'd you call the run? But then you rewatch it and you're like, I mean, this would work if people just did their jobs. <laughs> so, because especially the way the specific call the Jets do here, the Giants have three guys stacked up in the middle between the, the A gaps and the B gap. And the outside is pretty clean. Like, they have a defensive tackle over the right guard's outside shoulder. But after that, the Jets have a tight end, and there's no one until the edge guy over the tight end, and there's no linebacker over there either. And they run directly towards that area, but Max Mitchell just gets completely destroyed. The guy just moves him out of the way. Mitchell's down blocking, and the guy just removes the obstruction from his way and makes the play. So not I don't really think that's a bad call. It's just an awful block by Mitchell in that situation. Next one, third and 10, and this one I think you posted on your Twitter because Gibson gets open, but I think all five of the Jets' offensive linemen lose their matchups yeah. eventually. I mean, that's just a terrible rep for the offensive line, and Zach probably shouldn't try to throw it back across the middle to, to Carter for a gain of one. Him and Conklin are both in the area, but yeah. that's one of those plays that can turn into a disaster. 
maybe he could have hit Gibson, but he has five guys in his face. So again, yeah, it's like this, this is a third and ten play. Like this time, someone is open. Gibson is running an over route from the slot on the left side. He's open a couple of yards beyond the sticks, and that's there. But by the time that window opens, Zach is already scrambling to his right with five guys chasing after him. And you know, this one's just a stunt. It's kind of hard to pinpoint who you want to blame, but the Giants crash two guys down, and they have the edge guy loop around inside. And he combination of McGovern and Tomlinson, hard to say exactly who, but at the end of the day, just terrible protection ruins a potential third and 10 conversion that is open uh next one is right after west schweitzer's injury and he throws a little quick pass to the flat to conklin and it's dropped it might have been short of the first anyway but uh, again that's one of the first of, of many drops uh, on these third downs um the one after that unless you have anything you want to add to that i don't think that that play was too the conklin one yeah i mean the only, the only thing i thought about this one is and you know it is kind of you know, results based because if it worked, I would say, Oh, this is a great creative call. But I mean, I feel like on third down, like it's nice to have multiple options here. They just try to get Conklin to pick for or Lazard to pick for Conklin, but it doesn't work. Uh, Pinnock just gets right over the top of it, reads it all the way, makes the play. So play is dead. And, you know, maybe it, you would just like to give multiple options there, but just didn't work here. Uh, next one, another drop. This is to Lazard over the middle on third and six. They're coming out, 11 personnel. He reads it. Two guys coming over the middle on little in routes um, from the right side. He reads it inside out, and he goes to Lazard on the outside. Probably could have stuck with Conklin there, you think, on that one? Yeah, this one, I mean, I you would prefer him to hit Conklin here because he starts middle, he reads the safeties, and he goes right. So he passes over Conklin. It is in his vision. And seeing the depth that the – safety or linebacker covering him gets I believe he's a safety number 19 yeah. i i don't like these new Jer- i like them i like the creativity of having new jersey numbers just the freedom gives players but like now i see 19 and i'm like who is this guy <laughs> yeah is he a safety a linebacker safety? yeah uh, um, it's isaiah simmons which i guess I, that's fitting for him because he could be anything yeah but um either way i think you know he does pass over you can see the space there you know conklin's running a quick slant here probably want him to hit that because he's wide open but I think Lazard is the first read here, and he likes the mismatch in terms of size that he has. He trusts Lazard to win, and he puts a good ball right on his hands. Um, but the DB just wins the battle there. So not the worst play in the world, good throw, but there was an easier option available. So I'd say this is like 75% Lazard. Yeah. You want to catch that ball, 25% Wilson. You did have something easier available. All right, I'll, I'll try to speed this up because we have 10 more here and we're not even showing the video. So, but I do think this it's thorough. We're hitting everything. Well, I right, speed up as right. well. No, it gets slow. But I don't know. Whatever. Third and four, the next one. Uh, he tries to scramble up the B gap and he gets sacked by Dexter Lawrence. Uh, I do think it was the right move to scramble there. Like, I at least see what he was going for, but just Lawrence gets off the block and, and brings him down for the sack. What do you think about that play? Uh, one thing that stands out immediately, and we've been saying this since the Bills game, is like it's third and four and we got 12 personnel in the field. Uzama's flexed out running a corner route. I mean, it's just, it just shows the lack of talent the jets kind of have right now in terms of the weapons. It hurts that they lost Corey Davis, that they couldn't get someone at the trade deadline because now you got your number two blocking tight end running key corner routes and he gets blanketed. Brees Hall flexes out here and he doesn't win. And I think Zach just immediately sees nothing's open and he gets pressured. Um, I think it was Schweitzer and Newman got knocked into the backfield there. So again, not on Zach, just nobody open, not great protection. 
Next one, they're backed up inside like their own 15. It's a third and eight. Uh, he 11 personnel, they roll left and he, and he tries to hit it to Garrett and Taylor. Malik Taylor also comes to the same area. It's like the second, that happened a number of times in this game where two receivers on a scramble drill go to the same area and leads to nothing. He did have Conklin open on a little dump off. And I think Conklin might've gotten the first down on this. He may have been tackled just short, but just on the look the Giants are giving, it seems like Conklin should have been his guy there. Yeah, I think so. Because, you know, he starts right. The Jets got a couple of verticals, like you said, but um, both of the linebackers drop. There's a safety in the box who drops. I think it should be read that Zach quickly sees like, all right, I got Conklin here, but he kind of sticks on it a little bit. Then Turner gets pressure in the backfield and he, goes into scramble mode. So this one I put on Zach. I think he should have yeah. hit Conklin here leaking in. So as we go through this, I mean, you're kind of gathering that. It, we pointed the fingers in a lot of different places at this point. And Salah said in the press conference, it kind of sounded like a coach speak answer, but I think it's completely accurate. He said, like, it, we're just taking turns sucking at football. And I think yeah. that's exactly what it is. That's actually what he said. He, he did. Like, that's <laughs> Not verbatim, but that's pretty much exactly okay. what he said. I have to look at it, but. Yeah, we've pointed at multiple offensive linemen. We've said concepts have, haven't worked. People haven't separated. Zach Wilson sometimes, but not often. So it, it is pretty much everyone taking turns. All right, a few more. Third and six, he scrambles here. Malik Taylor does get open, but again, Lakin Tomlinson allows a, allows a big pressure, and the Giants are right in his face. Do you put this one on Zach, or is this you blame the O-line on this? Or is it shared? Uh, this one, I think, I mean, looking at this, I feel like, this is O-line because Malik Taylor does separate. He actually runs a good route here. And at the stem, he gets – initially, it's pretty tight. But at the um, at the top of the route, he when he makes his break, he gets some separation. And it's there. But once again, at that moment, Zach Wilson's already in the middle of running away because Lakin Tomlinson gets beat. So this is O-line. Well, I, I don't have the play up in front of me. How many yards was Taylor's route run? It's third and six. Is right third and six. Or? He's about two yards past the sticks i'd say he snaps it yeah uh yeah so again offensive line then all right then they have the back-to-back third and ones here this one is probably the most infuriating third and one they go empty which doesn't really make any sense in third and one especially in these conditions a little quick flat route to conklin they give conk the one-on-one he doesn't win i don't hate the route to conklin i I was looking at the route concepts i don't even hate the route concepts it's just why go empty on third and one and as you point out to me the giants only rush three so if you rush that's a first down even if it was a QB draw, it's a first down. So just keep the threat of the run in there, and you can still run that same route concept, and it might work better than they going empty and telling the Giants that you're going to pass. Yeah, I hate empty on third down or fourth down, like as we saw before do last year. And short, third and it's short. Just, yeah, yeah, short situations because like you just want to keep that threat in there. If you have one or two yards to go, the defense will respect a potential run. So you keep the running back in there, and it you know makes a linebacker hang in there a little bit instead of dropping out or brings a defender in instead of flexing him out and crowding the rest of the field. So in general, I don't think it's a good idea. And here, I think, like you said, not the worst route concept. Conklin doesn't really win in this situation, which usually he's pretty good at, but um, it just feels like you're taking options away and making you giving the defense an advantage by saying we are passing. That's what we're doing. And you know it, especially when you haven't shown that you'll do QB draws. Like if you're the Eagles, and you go empty, you're not really empty in the truest sense because there's still a run threat because Jalen Hurts will do a quarterback draw. But if you're the Jets, you can't. You haven't shown that you'll do I think Zach Wilson could be capable of doing that, obviously not to a Hurts extent, but he's shown some speed like yeah. he did on that run later yeah, in this game. So maybe the Jets should put that on their film if they want to do some more 
you know, empty sets on third and short. Just, you know, the, the, the problem with like, I'm very pro rushing Zach Wilson because I think he's yeah. one of the more athletic quarterbacks in the league and he definitely can do it, but you just open him up to injuries. I mean, he's already playing behind a battered offensive line. It's like he takes a beating every game. So every time you send him out there in open field, you risk him taking shots, but you know, there's some quarterbacks who are just smart at getting down and sliding. And I think Zach Wilson's gotten a little better at that, but he's still, again, he took another shot in this game. You saw it in the preseason too, where he'll like, he'll steer into contact and he'll lower the shoulder sometimes. And like, that's cool and all, but it's just more free shots in your quarterback. The next one, third and one, definitely on Zach. This is a peak at 2022, Zach. I like this concept. I actually really like this call PA little rollout, dump off the breeze, quick pass. And he just misses him. I mean, Yes, it's in the rain. I'm sure the ball slipped. It's, you know, not ideal conditions, but that was 2022, Zach, to, to put that in the dirt on an easy first down completion. Yep, this one's just obviously on Zach. I mean, scheme works. It's open. Got to hit the throw. Yeah, it's, it's a missed layup that was pretty common first two years this season. We've seen him way cut those down. So um, in an overall sense, you cut him some slack because he hasn't done it a lot this year, bad conditions. I expect it won't be a huge problem, but uh, obviously – on this particular play, that's 100% Zach Wilson. All right, next, a uh, couple more here. Third and 13, he scrambles. I think this is the play I was talking about where he lowers the shoulder and takes a takes a shot. Uh, they go 11 personnel. Garrett's in the slot. The corner has the inside leverage, and Garrett does kind of get open, but it's just not an ideal look. I think I put this one on the O-line, but you let me know what you think. Yeah, I mean, I would say O-line as well because it's a play where, you know, you have somebody open, but the window closes because of the protection. So, yeah, I, I would agree with you on that one. All right. So up until that, how many is that? That's uh, 1, 2, 3, 14, 4, uh, 5, 13, 6, 7, 8, 13, 9, 10, 11, 13. Yeah. Up until that point, no third down conversions. <laughs> Finally, they get one on a third and 11 scramble. Now, he, he rolls left here and he could hit Brees over the top, but he trusts his legs and he goes and gets the first. I will say pretty impressive speed there because Kayvon's closing. He seems like he has a solid angle to meet him right at the sticks, but – Zach gets by him, gets out of bounds, doesn't take the shot. I mean, that's where you see that's where you really see his athleticism. But Brees is open. If it wasn't if it wasn't third and eleven and it hadn't been the type of game that it had been where he'd miss throws and stuff, I would have said maybe maybe try Brees there instead of running for it. But he gets it. So that's a plus play from Zach Wilson. Yeah, give him credit here. He sees the man coverage, takes it outside. And uh next gen stats is cool. They put the speed up here for all the players. He got to 18.96 miles an hour, basically 19 miles an hour Jeez. on this play. So just a, a shade under 20. So, I mean, and this is on a scramble, you know, it's not even like a straight up, you know, straight line run. So I think he's capable of getting even higher than that. What so, did you, and and yeah. you definitely, you definitely don't know this off the top of your head, but what is, what's Daniel Jones's peak? Not that that's our like main comparison point. I we had the discussion because with... like, I mean, it feels like, like I've said, I think he has good kind of long speed because he's a long strider. I wonder what he got to on that run against the Eagles when he just, well, that's what I was getting. Remember, Rivka and I were kind of debating about who is who's the better scrambling QB, Zach or Daniel Jones. I mean, Zach's clearly more athletic in terms of yeah, lateral, more fluid. Yeah, exactly. He's more of a natural athlete, but Daniel Jones might but have. This why he showed some wheels. So I yeah. mean, all right, three I, more. I think there's some untapped potential there for sure. Three more. Uh, all pretty good plays from Zach. Um, first one, third and ten. This is two plays after the bad sack that he took. This is their. What seems like it was going to be their last drive, but it wasn't. And he hits it to Lazard and it's dropped. I mean, that was the play. I think they initially ruled it a catch and then went back and, and reviewed it and said he dropped it. It's a good play from Zach. I mean, watching the broadcast, you said that you initially thought it was a bad throw, but you see the all 22 angle and Lazard's got to catch that. Yeah. Um, watching it live, I mean, it seemed like not necessarily a bad throw, but, you know, 
he, he did go to the ground, so it seemed like, you know, tough catch. I guess cut him some slack, but you look at the end zone angle, and it's a really well-placed throw. I mean, the defender is right there. He puts it right out in front of, you know, out, out, out in front of his reach, puts it in a good spot for him. It's The height is pretty good. It's right at the numbers, and Lazard has it tucked into his chest. He just loses it when he gets to the ground. I think so. – I think I'm a higher on Lazard than you are in terms of like, I do think he plays a valuable role in this offense, but man, he does not, he's not a separator and man, he has some, some drop issues. He'll, he'll come up with some, some big two things that you kind of need to be good at a wide receiver. Yeah, I, I know. And it was two things that you raised <laughs> in the off season as to why he's not a good receiver too, for this team. But you know, I do think his value is a blocker and some of the dirty work he does with the clear out routes. I like the size that he brings. He's, it seems like he's been a positive influence on Zach's mentality. We haven't really got to see him used as a red zone threat. We're going to get into something else that, because I think this is a big game against the Chargers for Lazard. Um, but we'll, we'll get into that in a, in a few minutes. Two more. One of the best plays of Zach Wilson's career. Third and 10. This is an yeah. overtime conversion. A sideline throw to Garrett Wilson, one-on-one. And he stands tall in the pocket and takes a hit, which is just not something we saw him do his first two years. That's, that's a play you can really point to in an ugly game and say, that's Zach Wilson improvement. Might be small. Yeah. But it matters. That's a that's an NFL quarterback throw, and it's stuff that he wasn't doing his first two years. Oh yeah, big time play. And this is if there's anything you want to point to this season to say he's an improved quarterback, it's undoubtedly this play because like there's there's a moment here in the middle of this drop back where you could just envision last year Zach Wilson or rookie Zach Wilson, you know, dropping that back foot and spinning towards the rusher, trying to make something happen in this situation. But he's been much more poised and tougher in the pocket this year. This game is a great example. He completed a number of throws where he got hit or either completed or threw accurately and it was dropped. Um, and none bigger than this one, obviously. Stands there in the face of he knows the DB's coming off the edge. He's going to hit him, but no fear. He stands tight. He makes that throw, puts it where it needs to be on the comeback. And uh, Garrett gets the yak. So huge play from Zach Wilson. Obviously not just for this game, but I would say for his development as well. That's To have that in his mind, to know he can make that throw, is going to do so much for him in the future when he sees pressure, just for him to have that muscle memory of, I can make these throws if I stand tight here. And hopefully the Jets don't make him have to do that as much and they protect better. But you do have to make these throws regardless of which offensive line you have in front of you. Every quarterback has to respond to pressure sometimes. Yeah, no, and it's it's the thing that Mike White did last year that made Jets fans yeah. fall in love with him is he just stood tall in the pocket and he delivered the ball and took some big shots and he got injured because of that against Buffalo. But it's the reality of being a quarterback in the NFL and especially with his Jets offensive line for Zach Wilson, he's going to have to take some shots. And I, yeah, I agree. That's that's one of the best plays of his career. And then the last one is that third and five deep bomb to, to Malik Taylor. He deserves credit for going there. Not the best throw, but again, he does have pressure right in his face. I think it was Newman who allowed the pressure. So it, he has to throw it entirely with his arm, underthrows it, but he gives him a chance at the OPI, which they draw. Um, I like the play call, and I, I think Zach Wilson does, you know, I, I don't want to call it a plus play because he doesn't hit the throw, but at the end of the day, this he got him in field goal range with this, and uh, this is not a negative Zach play in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, I think where you see the progress here is, and again, like it's up to debate as to how much you want to enjoy progress to this degree. But <laughs> in the third I think, year. Previous Zach Wilson might not have even tried this throw and he may have, you know, again, scrambled or, you know, Conklin Conklin is kind of open here over the middle. So he could have even tried that, but um, just to recognize this matchup and take the shot is a good play. And the throw is obviously not good, but Xavier Newman is 
in his lap as he's releasing it. His arm hits into him. So that explains why I didn't get there because he was getting hit while he was throwing it. But regardless, pick the right matchup. And this is this is why throwing deep passes is a good thing, even if you don't hit them. I, I don't know what the exact rate is of pass interference penalties, but I imagine it's got to be higher than like 15 to 20% of the times you they go incomplete and you try it. They're just super common. So you try those passes, and even if you don't hit it, there's a good chance you're going to get the flag that you want. So find those matchups, take the shot, and credit to Malik Taylor, who in the slot here just cooks Adoree Jackson. Yeah. Um, but he's got like two, three yards on him, so credit to him. Yeah, and I hope he's activated again for this game, and we'll get into the charges in just a second. But like you said, I mean, I think especially in those third and five situations, I don't hate the deep shot. You know, I guess it, it depends – you know, the game script and, and whatnot, but defenses are crashing down. I mean, Zach Wilson hasn't put too many deep shots on tape, but we know he can do it. Obviously he has the arm talent. We've seen some of the throws this year. He seems to be, his accuracy seems to, his accuracy seems to be a lot better. Now, granted, you might want a guy like McCall Hardman, although they traded him away to kind of stretch the field. But like you said, I mean, they activated a guy, I mean, Malik, Malik Taylor, he had the big bond to him in, in preseason. Um, they have Xavier Gibson. Lazard, too, it's something we haven't seen at all, but he did have some deep shots with with Rodgers. I know he's not necessarily the burner, but it'll be tight contested coverage, but Lazard is the type of guy that if you put it up there, he can go make a play on it. And so I agree. I'd like to see more shots down the field. I think it'll take pressure off Brees. It'll stop corners and safeties from crashing down so hard to the flats because right now this Jets offense is a lot of flats, a lot of checkdowns going underneath. Um, so it'll take some pressure off the defense, but I, I understand in that, in that game, in those conditions, it made sense why they didn't take too many, but obviously it worked out there. So that's, that's the entire third down game for the jets. And it was a talking point all week is the jets are bad on third down. I think after watching the all 22, you feel a little bit better about Zach Wilson's performance, but as a whole, Michael, before we transition to the Chargers game, what do you make of this third down? We've, we've gone through every play. Like you said, it's everybody's taking turns at, at sucking at football. Um, but when you see this is what are you looking to see, I guess, on Monday in terms of how they adjust on, on third downs? Yeah. I mean, the only really thing I think you could take away is that if, if you were a person who came out of this game thinking, you know, Zach Wilson deserves the main portion of the blame for this, then I think that's incorrect. He, there were a couple of plays in there. We went through it that were definitely on him, but probably three, three of them, three or four yeah. uh, was, was the tally. So less than a quarter of them on the quarterback. And most of them were either someone was open and the offensive line blew that opportunity because it was interesting. There were some plays like that. Like there were a few plays that were a total mess, but there was some terrible timing like that where someone was open, but the offensive line lost on that play right. or the offensive line did maybe do its job for once, but no one was open. So um, I found the exact quote. He said, it's everybody taking turns at not being very good at football on third down. <laughs> and we just got to figure it out. So that's, that's a good summary. Just stop being not very good at football. Everyone. Nice. Good advice. Um, go. Let's talk about the Chargers game. Uh, but we'll, we'll stick with Zach Wilson for a second. How much does a game like this do you think does for his confidence? Because look, it was an ugly game, but at the end of the day, when, when the chips were down, when it mattered, he came through in the clutch. I think he made some huge plays the last minute of that game and into overtime. And then you go back and watch. It's like, okay, it wasn't necessarily the shit show that you may have felt watching it live. Um, and he, he came through in the clutch. I think that was like for his confidence to be able to get that two-minute situation, to be able to clock the ball, which is something he failed at Denver a few weeks ago, to win the game in overtime, to draw the OPI. I mean, he did a lot of things that 
he looked he looked like he matured a little bit in that game. Is that something you anticipate carrying over, or are we back in store for for some spin out of sacks against Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack and taking twenty five yard losses and throwing across him? Is is he going to fall back, or is this one of those things where you think he can he can build off this type of performance? Well, I mean, I think the reason this is big is because we've had situations like this before where he couldn't come through, where you know the Jets didn't score a lot of points, the offense struggled, but the defense. Kept a minute, kept a minute, kept a minute. And there's a chance at the end for the Jets to win. And like, okay, it doesn't matter how you play the rest of the day. Just go win the football game. And Zach Wilson and the Jets have failed at that. Whether, you know, this year's New England game, they had a chance. They couldn't do it. Uh, the Detroit game last year, Zach Wilson blew a lot. I know he made the Elijah Moore throw at the end, but he also blew a ton of throws in that drive against the Lions. Um, the New England game in New England last year, there were a lot of games like that. And he could never get the job done. So for him to finally have a game where it's like, you know, you struggled, but you had a chance at the end and you fully maximized it, not once, but twice with the end of the fourth quarter, not only making those throws, but getting the offense up and spiking that ball and, you know, then coming out over time and doing the job there. Uh, it's a big confidence booster for him for sure. And I think now like there's some confidence to the point where, like I said, I would say this was his third straight confident game plus Kansas city before that, which was a great game. So four games in a row where I don't think he was bad in any of them, like how good you want to say he was, you know, definitely right. debatable, but four straight, not bad games. So I think you're right. kind of getting to a point where it's like, there's some confidence that, you know, that everyone else figures it out. You can score some points here. And like, I think there were probably some Jets fans listening to this, like we're babying him. And I think the thing is, I think we've just acknowledged I mean, we don't go, that we don't go easy on him when he struggles. No, like, but meaning like I think sure. there's some Jets fans who are still trying to grade him on the cur on the on the scale of being oh, right. the number two yeah. overall pick in the draft and being the franchise's future. And like, who knows what Zach Wilson's how Zach Wilson's career will unfold? But right now, we said when Rodgers went down is if the Jets can get 20th to 24th ranked quarterback play, if he can just try to manage the game. I mean, that's why a lot of people are advocating for starting Simeon or trading for another veteran quarterback. It's not necessarily to replace Aaron Rodgers. It's just somebody to steer the ship and let this defense win games. And Zach Wilson is showing that he can do that the last few weeks. We'll see how it how it goes on, on Monday night. This is a tough matchup for the Jets' offensive line, considering all the injuries that they faced. Tittman did practice. He was limited. So that's that's good, a positive sign. Maybe he's the starting center on Monday. Um, unfortunately, though, I don't know if you've seen this, Lakin Tomlinson showed up on the injury report. He was limited with a hamstring injury. So another interior offensive line injury. But he was limited. So hopefully that's not something that's going to hold him out of, of Monday's contest. Um, injuries all over the place. And we'll see about Dwayne Brown and whether or not he comes back. If Beckton moves back to right tackle quickly, what do you think about that? I mean, Saul seems pretty adamant that Brown is part of their best five. Are you are you bumping Beckton back to right tackle and sticking Brown at left tackle? or you? Yeah, keeping... I don't know. I mean, Max Mitchell, I mean, we know Dwayne Brown really struggled. Granted, it was against Micah Parsons. but I mean, Max And he might have still been hurt. Uh, yeah, that as well. Um, but I mean, Max Mitchell hasn't really shown me anything to think like, oh, definitely I want him over Dwayne Brown. So yeah, I mean, if that's what they think is better, I would, would trust their judgment on that because Mac, like, especially in the run game, Max Mitchell is just not, he's got to be one of the most easily moved offensive linemen I've seen yeah, on this Jets team. Like he's, and that was the concern coming out, like, right. like you're going to say. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's improved. So I'm not super high on Max Mitchell. I think, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people felt that he was undersized. He was undersized. What am I saying? He was undersized coming yeah. out of college. Yeah. And then I wonder if, you know, he had the blood clot issue last year and got sick. Right. Like, I wonder if that affected his ability to add on weight. He does seem like a little bit bigger. But like you said, he's not he's not physically imposing. I feel like he's been pretty solid in pass protection. Not to say that he doesn't get beat. But for fourth-round rookie coming in, 
after a bunch of injuries in the offensive line, he, you know, he, he's far, they can win with a guy like Max Mitchell on the line, but I agree with, I, th- I think Dwayne Brown will be better. The question is, do you want to move Becton? You know, Becton is a guy, he says he doesn't care. He just wants to play football, but having him switch back from left tackle to right tackle, is that going to throw him off? Could that lead him to get more injured? He's been pretty adamant about it. it's easier for him to play on the left side because his injuries on the right knee, but we're halfway through the season. He seems to be okay. It seems like the knees not bothering as much. So I don't know, but injuries galore on this offensive line. And while this Chargers pass defense has not been good, they do have two of the best pass rushers in the NFL, and Joy Bosa and Khalil Mack. So that's it's not too fun um, for, for this matchup. I guess we'll start with this. Uh, I watched the Chargers-Bears game, the all 22 of it, before recording this podcast. A couple things that stood out to me. And one of the first things was on that third one. Of, I think it was one of the first third downs. The Chargers did this a number of times in the game, and I think you can expect this on Monday night. Putting Bosa and Mack next to each other, having, you know, I think they'll have Khalil Mack like a five-tech and Bosa at the seven-tech. And there's a lot that they can do off that with stunts, with just having Mack eat up blockers on a bull rush and, and leaving Bosa one-on-one with the tight end. The Jets have a lot of moving parts on the right side of their O-line, no matter what happens. If it's Tittman, Xavier Newman, uh, they, they brought in, uh, what Jesus, what, what's his name right now? Why am I spacing? Roger Saffold. Thank you, Roger Saffold. <laughs> oh, it's been a long week. Bringing Roger About Saffold. Five years after when I wanted him. I remember when yeah. he was coming out of the of the Rams, I thought he would be a good fit. Well, he was just onto the practice squad, so we'll see if he plays. Yeah. But if Tittman's out... I, Potentially, we're seeing Rogers. We're Affold. putting Tipman at center when he's ready, right? Right. I, I would. I would assume so. Yeah. Um, they have nobody else. Down two so. centers. It's got to be the only place you put him. Which so, is, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Because I mean, yeah. in the preseason, he was great, but it's just the the snapping definitely was problematic. So hopefully, he's cleaned that up. But then again, how much has he really practiced it? Considering he's been a guard, so we'll see. But the Chargers, you know, they run a lot of zone blitzes. They try to confuse offensive line offensive lines and young quarterbacks about who's coming and who's dropping back into coverage. And when they do that little, that package with Bosa and, and Mac on the same side, especially when they line them up on the right against what it might be Max Mitchell and Xavier Newman. I don't feel too good about that. So I would expect, let's just start there. At least it's uh, cool to have a guy named Newman on a New York team. Yeah, Actually, I mean, maybe it's not cool because when he makes a mistake, then you can yeah. go. Newman. Yeah. Well that, that joke is going to run is going to be very old very quickly. Uh, how do the jets handle this? A lot of 13 personnel, max protect, chip in with the running backs, tight ends. What do you think? Well, it, it's funny you mentioned that because I did write an article today about attacking the Chargers defense. And I think, and this is going to be a very wild take that maybe people won't agree with, but I feel like based on what the Chargers have shown this year, um, because despite having those two big names on their pass rush um, in Cleo Mack and Joey Boza, they've actually been one of the worst teams in the league in terms of pass rushing. They're only 25th in pressure rate. And when they go four-man rush, they're 26th. And they rely on their four-man rush most of the time. Their blitz rate is 28%, which is uh, 17th. So they're a four-man rush team. It hasn't been a good four-man rush. And those two guys haven't been great this year. Obviously, Khalil Mack had the six-sack game. But outside of that, his pressure rate in the rest of his games is only slightly above 10%, which is below average. The league average for edge rushers is 11%. I will say maybe yeah. it's the Bears. Bosa Bosa still looks pretty explosive. Maybe it's just the Bears, but he, I was watching that game. I was like, oh, that God. was his best game. That was his best right, game well, in terms sense. of what I saw with production this year. But his pressure rate this year is only slightly above average at I think eleven and a half percent. Like I said, league average is eleven. So those two guys have been average. They don't really have anybody All outside right. of that. Overall, their pass rush is one of the lesser ones in the league, and that's a big reason why they are thirty second in pass yards allowed, net yards per pass attempt, very bad pass defense. So considering all of that, I think the Jets shouldn't 
keep too much pass help, uh, pass protection help in with their running backs and tight ends to start the game. And if it goes bad, if you can't handle it, you know, without keeping Conklin, Uzama, Carter in there, whoever, then go ahead and adjust and you can keep those guys in. But I think to start out, test this pass rush out with your offensive line. I know this is a shaky offensive line. They've had injuries and it's probably going to be shuffled this week, but um, their pass rush isn't too hot either. So I would say come out and throw some more pass options out against the secondary because this secondary has really struggled this year. Um, their two corners, Asante Samuel and Michael Davis, have given up a lot of production this year, two of the worst in the league among corners. Uh, you want to challenge those guys with as many receivers as you can. So if you're keeping your tight end and you're running back in, you're only sending three receivers out there, then you're not really maximizing the issues that the Chargers have in the secondary. Right. You're making it easier for them because they only have to guard three guys. They could they essentially can go two-on-one with each receiver. So I think you want to put as much pressure as you can on – those players in the back end and test those guys, especially because the Jets don't really have great route runners, as we've seen in the, as we saw in the Giants game outside of Garrett Wilson. No one's really winning right now. So I want as many receivers down the field as possible, challenging that secondary. So I think to start out, let's see if your offensive line can hold up against this pass rush, because based on what the Chargers have shown, you shouldn't be afraid of them unless they earn that against you so right. go ahead and adjust if it goes bad but i say start out challenge these guys and don't be afraid of them that's what i would do yeah i'll be honest. like the only film i watched on the charges was the bears game i mean i've seen charges games on tv but when you watch that bears game the bears did do a lot of what i was saying with the max protect and and chipping right. and chipping bosa and mac and like yeah clue max not the same player he used to be obviously he's still dangerous uh bosa from that game i mean it's i'm Relieving to hear that he he hasn't been that dominant because I was watching this Bears game and I was like oh god when they when they put yeah and he has good plays I mean, maybe he's getting healthier but I was just looking yeah. at his numbers and before that game he had two pressures in four straight games so if he's only gonna make two plays on well, you a game then, did it you know okay I know this is ages ago but didn't didn't Becton kind of sun Joey Bosa when they played in 2020 he did yeah in 2020 I actually right. reposted I had a, a clip of that he posted a few years ago he had a great game against the chart that's when they had Ingram instead of Mac. But yeah, he had some great reps on Bosa. There was a touchdown they scored where uh Beckton had the lead block on Bosa. So he's he's got good film on the Chargers. Now Bosa's a few years older, not playing as well as he has in the past. So it's really it could it, be a good Beckton game. It's really the right side of the offensive line. Like I, I feel confident in Beckton. I mean look Beckton did not have the best game against Kayvon last week. I think we maybe haven't talked about that enough. He he did give up quite the game to Kayvon. Um but at the end of the day, I do trust Beckton on the left side of that line to, in his one-on-ones, to at least be competent. It's the right side. And Mitchell's been better in pass protection. Again, we'll see if it's Mitchell or Brown comes back, whatever. Um, but I do think they're going to have to leave a running back in there against a guy like Bosa. Yeah, you mentioned being aggressive throwing the ball. I think one of the things that other that also stood out watching this, this Bears game, and look, the Bears and Jets both not offensive juggernauts, young quarterbacks, although you'd hope Zach Wilson's maybe a few stages beyond uh, Tyson Badgett. But they have a, an elite receiver, number one. The Bears have DJ Moore. The Jets have Garrett Wilson. And watching this Chargers game, I mean, they bracketed DJ Moore the entire game. They shaded the safety over to his side the entire game. And they forced the Bears to go to guys like Darnell Mooney. They just they basically said, beat us with Cole Komet and, and Darnell Mooney. We're going to take away DJ Moore. And I would anticipate the Chargers are going to do the same thing with Garrett Wilson. And so when we were talking about Lazard and, and even a guy like Malik Taylor earlier, this presented opportunities for the bears. I mean, the first play of the game, safety help over to DJ Moore's side, at least a one-on-one, I think it was Darnell Mooney, one-on-one Darnell Mooney, man coverage. And they hit a big play to open up the game. It happens again later in the game um, where there's a miscommunication with, they have DJ Moore. And again, I think it was Mooney on the left side. 
and the safety and the linebacker both or the safety. Yeah. The safety and the linebacker both try to stay with DJ Moore because they're keying in on him. And it, it, there's a wide open play for a touchdown. Unfortunately it's dropped. There's going to be opportunities for those deep shots to guys like Alan Lazard or Malik Taylor. Um, I think this defense is really going to key in on Garrett Wilson. So maybe I wouldn't be starting him if, if, if I had Garrett Wilson in fantasy, but I think this is the game where if the jets open up the pass attack, they need somebody else to step up. And I like what I saw from a guy like Malik Taylor who, who showed he can get open. He's, he's a good blocker as well. He's a special teams value. Like I liked what I saw from him in the preseason. Then you go and watch the giants film. It's like, okay, this guy's getting open. Like he at least shows he can separate on the outside, which is something the jets haven't had all, all season long. So what do you make of, of the importance of the the number two Jets receivers uh, stepping up in this one. Oh yeah, it's huge. And like the Chargers are a team that, as you said, they can take that top receiver away. They play. Uh, I got the coverage numbers that the Chargers run here. They're second in cover six usage at twenty percent. And so, if you're unfamiliar, cover six means in the back end you have quarter, quarter, half. So two guys playing quarter of the field deep coverage, one guy playing half. And the point of that is so you can shade a lot of deep help towards, you know, your best receiver where the other team likes to throw the strength of the formation. Uh, you have extra help on one side and it makes, it makes the chargers able to stop deep, uh, you know, top receivers like that, or, well, they haven't stopped them this year considering their numbers, but they try to. Um, so they're going to challenge the jets to beat them with other people. And, you know, the jets have had trouble doing that because Gary Wilson's got his production and in, in spite of being the focal point, because he's just that good, but, as we saw against the Giants, even when Garrett Wilson does get his 100 yards, if no one else is contributing, it's hard to move the ball and especially convert on third down. So other people have to step up. Lazard had some balls in this game against the Giants that he should be able to catch with his size, but he didn't. Um, then Malik Taylor, like you said, came through with, I mean, better route running than anyone not named Garrett Wilson in this game with the wins that he had. So Maybe that's where they find some potential because we've been looking at Gibson as maybe a guy who is upside there, but it's it's Malik Taylor who made that deep bomb catch in the preseason. I know Gibson had a good preseason as well, but it was mostly just you know drags and stuff and then yak. So in terms of route running, maybe Malik Taylor steps up and gives the Jets some surprise help in that area. Uh, so they need other people to win. And Tyler Conklin didn't have a, a good game this week in terms of getting open and making tough catches. You know, the week after I hyped him up and wrote a whole article about him. So he's got to step up and be a, potentially that secondary weapon as well. So you certainly need other people to win this week outside of Garrett Wilson. We make about uh, rushing the ball because one of the things I did see, and granted it wasn't it wasn't a, a great game for the Bears on the ground, but Chargers bit really hard on some misdirection stuff, and they had a big run off of that. So you mentioned Xavier Gibson. That's that's one of the I would expect at least one of those end arounds. I mean, I know they do one pretty much every game, but running counter plays off of that. Do you think this is a big Brees Hall game, or or do you think that? Um, like you said, they got to they got to keep through the air. Uh, I mean, their run defense has been pretty good. They're tenth best in yards per rush attempt at three point eight. Uh, I I think this is a passing game. I think this is last week. I thought going into it, it was a ground and pound type of game. Didn't play out that way, mostly because of the O line injuries. And they you tried, couldn't <laughs> run block. They did try, but it didn't lead to much. And then you kind of had to go into pass mode. Um, so I think this is a pass first sort of game. You want to really expose that back end because that's what teams have done to them all year. Even teams that aren't that great, like Asante Samuel, their starting cornerback, he's given up the most yards per game of any cornerback this year at about 75 a game. And he's had really bad games against the Chiefs, who don't have great receivers, the Bears last week, the Titans, like not the greatest competition. So if those teams. All right, all right, maybe maybe start Garrett Wilson then. 
Maybe so start Garrett Wilson. I, then. If you're, I mean, he is kind of a must-start player, but there is hesitancy because of the situation. But this is this is a week to do it. I think. All right. I think the other thing too, it looks looks clear skies so far. We didn't acknowledge that in last week's preview pod, and it did play a, a big game. But Jets have had some tough luck with the rain this year. But looks like looks like it should be good weather. So, like you said, it could be a good opportunity to to throw the football. Um, before we get to the Chargers defense, I just want to make sure there's nothing else we wanted to talk about with this Jets offense. Um, I mean, I guess we kind of covered it all. Is there anything yeah. else you, you wanted to to mention on this Jets offense, or do you want to move to the defense? Let's move to defense. All right, let's go. They do have a defense as well, and it's really good. Yeah, (laughs) it's really good. Um, And this is the matchup. This is the only reason this will be an entertaining primetime game is it's to watch this elite Jets defense go up against another, uh, I would say, elite quarterback. Yeah, I would say elite. The MetLife hellhole, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I mean, another elite quarterback gets to face this Jets defense. And like you said, I mean – I worry about the Chargers pass rush. I know you said it hasn't statistically they haven't been too good, but just watching Joey Bosa, I just see him oh, getting, yeah. getting by sure. Max right. Mitchell and whatnot. But this is one of those things where the Jets have proven they can stop any offense for the most part, elite, outside of Dak Prescott and the Cowboys apparently. But elite quarterbacks facing this Jets defense, they haven't fared too well, uh, especially in prime time. And so for the Jets, it's just about can their offense put up enough points to win the game? And you look at this Chargers defense, and you're like, hey, there's a lot of holes. They have not been good against the pass. If they if they open up the playbook like they did against the Chiefs, I think Zach Wilson could have a good game, and I trust this defense to hold the Chargers um, to to a few points and maybe force a few turnovers. But there are a few players that are, that are worrisome. This Chargers team is very talented on the offensive side of the ball, and I'll just start with with Austin Eckler because it's all yeah. referred to him as he's the engine of their offense. And luckily, though, the Jets have a player who matches up extremely well with Austin Eckler and Quincy Williams. I think that's the matchup that I'll be paying the, the most attention to. The Chargers love throwing to, to Eckler on you know, anything from screens over the middle out to the flat and the Jets will definitely be matching up Quincy Williams with him. So be on the lookout for some, for some big hits and some big uppercuts uh, from Quincy in this game. Uh, you could take it from Eckler and then and go where you want with it, but this Jets defense versus Chargers offense, pay-per-view, pay-per-view worthy. Yeah, I think so. Just because of how good the Jets have looked against elite offenses at home this year, um, you know, between Mahomes and Allen and Hertz, it's been great. So like you expect the Chargers coming in, this is a game. The Jets' offense has to keep up. They have to air it out. But, you know, all the games we thought that was the case this year, it wasn't that way because the defense did such a good job of, again, other than Dallas, you know, so solid. His quote was a little inaccurate. They didn't embarrass everybody. He was talking about the elite embarrass the Cowboys. Uh, oh, so we're throwing shots at Prescott now? No, I like, he's I like that. Quarterback. We like Dak. But, um, yeah, it's it will be interesting to see if they can keep this going and make it another game where – even though you're playing a great quarterback and a great offense, you know, the offense jets offense still won't have to do that much to win the game. Or will this be the one where, you know, someone finally has their number and the jets offense has to step up because, you know, the chargers offense, you know, they're three and four, they're disappointing and all that, but they're still ninth best in points per game. They're still six best in passing yards. They've been moving the ball. Justin Harbert's uh, Herbert's been playing well. So uh, it, it's a good offense and they have Austin Eckler back. He missed some games. And Keenan Allen's having one of the best seasons of his his career. So it, it's going to be a challenge for everybody. But I think one matchup that – and you mentioned Eckler versus Quincy. That's a fantastic matchup because you're talking about one of one of the best, if not the best, receiving running backs versus maybe the best linebacker in the league right now who's especially good in coverage. So awesome matchup right there. But really important matchup here, Jermaine Johnson against Rashawn Slater. That's going to be a huge one because Chargers offensive line as a whole isn't – great 
but he is obviously one of the best left tackles in the game. And then you have Jermaine Johnson, who is one of the most crucial players for the Jets because first four games, we talked about it. He was struggling, not rushing the passer efficiently. And it kind of held the Jets pass rush back a little bit. They were good, just not great. But the last three games, JJ has really turned it up. He's played the best football of his career. He's been one of the most efficient edge rushers in all of the NFL over these past three games. And coinciding with that, the Jets have the highest pressure rate in the league of any defense over these past three games. So when JJ is playing at a high level like that, the Jets probably the best pass rush in the league because you take the weapons they already have. And now suddenly Jermaine Johnson is playing at the level of an elite pass rusher, which he is because past three games, he is the sixth best pressure rate of any edge rusher. Um, So when he's playing at that level, Jets defense is very, very hard to block. Um, But he's going up against Rashawn Slater in this game. JJ does play the majority of his snaps on the right side of the D line. So against the left tackle, he does rotate sides. He'll play on the left side sometimes, but it will be mostly him versus Slater. And Slater's a great left tackle who has the ability to uh, quiet Jermaine's hot streak. So very big matchup right there. Yeah. And I think something else, we haven't really talked about him too much in this podcast because star player got a big extension. He's still great. Quinn Williams only has a half sack on the season. He got that against the Chiefs. Are you concerned at all about that? Or are you still seeing on tape the, the player that, that's been here the last few years? No, not really. Um, Giants game wasn't his greatest in terms of pass rushing. I mean, they didn't barely had any chances. Um, other than that, though, he's been very consistent with the pressure. It's been on par with last year. His run defense is consistently game-changing for this defense with his ability to eat blocks and make big plays. So I'm I'm not concerned. I think the sacks will come in due time. And even if they don't, like I'm I'm a huge advocate of not overrating sacks because you know it's such a small portion of the pie. Like you get one sack and all of a sudden you had a great game. What about the other? 50 yeah. Also, how, how many sacks is he? How many sacks is he uh, let Jermaine Johnson get? You know, just from his pressure. right. Exactly. Like he's a big part of you know he's teed up other sacks. There have been some where he was in on. I thought was a sack for him that I saw after the game. Someone else got it. They they've had a bunch of those sacks where. Yeah, there were like three guys in there, and he could have given it to anybody. So I'm I'm not concerned. It's about just that. Who, it's he, just whoever celebrates hardest. It's just whoever celebrates exactly. Hardest. That's, yeah, that's usually gets it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's going to be a big game for this Jets defensive line, and I think we've said it every week since Saul has been hired. So it, it sounds almost cliche at this point, but the weakness of this Jets defense, we've seen it before. It's those trap plays, the draws, the screens, anything that just takes advantage of the over aggressive front. I think I probably said that sentence on this podcast maybe 30 times. Uh, the Chargers do seem like the type of team that can exploit that, especially with a little jitterbug like like Austin Eckler. He's a hard guy to bring down. He forces a lot of missed tackles. He's slippery, and he's one of those smaller running backs that, you know, kind of like a Tony Pollard week two, he's just kind of gets lost in the mix, and, and the Chargers should be able to take advantage of that. I think that will be frustrating. Like, the Chargers will convert on some third downs because that also Herbert, he doesn't do it too often, but he does have the athleticism to scramble. He's not the type of quarterback that you're going to leave a spy on, but I would anticipate – Herbert scrambling for some first downs and that being infuriating. Ultimately, as is the case with pretty much every game that the Jets have had against these elite quarterbacks, they're going to move the football against this Jets defense as long as they commit to taking the underneath stuff and not forcing the ball down the field, which Herbert likes to take his deep shots. So we'll see. It's going to come down to the Jets forcing some turnovers. And that's really what it's going to come down to. Holding them to three when they get in uh, on the plus side of the field and forcing turnovers. How do you feel about the Jets' potential to do that against this Chargers team? Yeah, I mean... It all comes down to pass rushing. I think that's been a huge part of them forcing turnovers this year. Like so many of the interceptions are just 
less great interceptions and more just how the Jets pass rush has has created those opportunities. Um, like when you look at the Eagles game, you have Jermaine Johnson getting a hit for the Bryce Hall interception. And then even the Tony Adams one, he wasn't actually pressured on that play, but the way Ulbrich was able to um, mix and match with his blitz looks is kind of what teed that up because the Jets previously blitzed on the last third down which I believe was successful, but I know they blitzed on the previous third down. And then this game, they kind of played off of that and dropped Tony Adams. And that mixing and matching is what created that interception is because they threatened on the previous play or or the previous third down. So uh, then you go to the Bills game, you had some pressured interceptions in there, Patrick Mahomes as well. So uh, pressure is a huge part. Uh, And Quinn Williams, speaking of big plays, you know, that, you know, he didn't get credit for. He teed up an interception on Mahomes in that game. So a lot of pressured turnovers this year. And, you know, that's not to say the Jets weren't creating pressure last year because they did. But this year it just feels like they're doing a good job of just creating the type of havoc that leads directly to mistakes. So um, that's going to be the key in this game. And Justin Herbert's never been terrible with interceptions, but he will throw them. He's definitely not a you know super low interception guy. But this year he has done a good job for picks. But uh, last year he had 10, 15 the year before that. So he protect, protects it pretty well, but you can get it, you know, especially with what the Jets have shown this year, uh, getting turnovers in some of the guys they've gotten them against. They've shown that they could make anyone come into the stadium and suddenly be a turnover machine. So um, it all, all comes down to creating pressure. And just to go back to that Jermaine Johnson matchup, I think that's so important. I think a lot of people need to fixate on that in this game is, you know, how is number 11 doing against Rashawn Slater? Because if if he's getting locked down, I think we've seen that if Jermaine Johnson's not playing at a high level, not the greatest Jets pass rush. Good, just not dominant. And then it also makes it harder to get sacks free turnovers because if you don't have multiple guys winning, even if one guy creates pressure, it's easier to escape that. But then when you have multiple guys winning, which is what the Jets have had the past few games, then, like, I'm scrambling away from you. I'm going into this other guy that's when you get those havoc plays. So I think Jermaine Johnson, so important. Because you trust Bryce Huff, Quinn Williams to get their wins against the other guys in this Chargers O-line, but can Jermaine make it a full-on collapse around Justin Herbert is the biggest matchup for this Jets defense, in my opinion. Yeah, and you you mentioned, just talking about the turnovers briefly, I know you mentioned Herbert's taking care of the ball for the most part this season with only four interceptions. Eckler lost a fumble last week. I know Keenan Allen's had a fumble that he lost, or I think it was Josh Palmer, but Allen did have another fumble. There's been a few fumbles in this Chargers defense, or the Chargers offense, so I do think that you know they are a team on paper that's taking care of the football through the air, but I, I anticipate the Jets punching out at, at a few, and you know maybe... We'll do the random predictions at the end of this podcast, but maybe I'll, I'll predict a, a forced fumble. Last thing on the defense, Al Woods towards Achilles on Sunday. Um, so he'll be out for the season. Great against the run. You've been critical of him, though, because when he's on the field, the pass rush is non-existent from his spot. Um, the Jets signed Tanzel Smart. They brought Jalen Holmes. I think or they signed it to the practice squad. So they started to make some moves. Um, just what do you feel about his loss? Is it, is it a big loss to, to this run defense? Is it going to be ben- – I mean, you don't ever want to talk about a player like that, but is it going to be beneficial to the pass rush to have maybe more reps going to a guy like Michael Clemens and try to stick him inside? Um, how do you feel about the Al Woods injury and how this changes the Jets' defense? I'm curious to see how Panzel Smart does. I've always liked his preseason play. He's obviously a huge hard knock star this year, um, but I, I feel like he's a really good scheme fit and like better than Al Woods. It was always a curious fit to bring in a guy like him to this defense. 
And I think we kind of saw that in the regular season. He, he was okay against the run. I wouldn't say he was great, uh, but the pass rushing was, you know, just very detrimental because, you know, whenever he was out there, it's just, he would automatically get shut down. He did outside the safety play, which took like three and a half, four seconds anyway, was more of a coverage play. He pretty much did nothing as a pass rusher and he was playing a lot. It's not like he wasn't out there. So I think what you get a guy like Tanzel smart in there, he's very explosive off the line, a good gap shooter. I think you're undoubtedly going to get a pass rush upgrade or even if we'll see how much smart plays, but you, even if it's Clemens or whoever's playing more snaps inside, or if you just give more to Quentin Jefferson or Thomas pass rush will improve, but we'll see about the run defense because uh, Tanzel smart or Michael Clemens, whoever's taking those snaps is not going to eat blocks the way Outwoods can without a doubt. So I think for me, it's about can they kind of do what Quentin Jefferson has been doing? Cause like his run defense was a concern coming into this year. He's never been the greatest run defender. He's smaller side for a D tackle at 291. So he's an absolute midget at 291 pounds. Uh, but relatively speaking for a defensive tackle, when you're 291, that is on the lighter side. Most of them are, I think average is like 305. But uh, he's never been the greatest like holding ground against um, you know interior linemen. But in this scheme that where you get to shoot gaps and play aggressively, and you have great linebackers behind you who you know can cover up for you, you, you know you know if you make a mistake, that he's been able to play aggressively and he's been shooting gaps and making plays in the run game that way, which we saw in the Giants game. He had he had a lot of run stops in that game, and most of them were just him firing off the ball, not really worrying about controlling gaps and just here's my lane. I'm going to shoot in there and make a play. And that's what he's able to do. So can a guy like Tanzel smart come in here? And even if he's not Al Woods in terms of that style of run defense, can they make plays against the run in the way that a guy like Quentin Jefferson has? So that's what I'll be looking at in terms of how they replace Al Woods. All right, let's do where the jets are better. Let's go through each position here and just state which, which team you think gets the edge here quarterback. Pretty obvious. We'll go with the charges here. I don't think any explanation is needed. Running back is, is a different, is a different conversation though. Um, both, both good running backs. Uh, I mean, am I biased to say breeze? Eckler's pretty damn good. I, I like Eckler. I don't want to be an Eckler hater here, but can we say push? Let's go push. I guess push. You both see, top by the way, five. We didn't talk about that juke by the way, enough on the touchdown. Oh yeah. Catch. Well, cause you gave, you, Tremendous, nice job. Give, you gave a nice job with credit to Zach Wilson, a little sidearm throw to, to, I know it's a dump off, but still he changed the arm angle. That's why you drafted him. Um, but that first move he makes, I mean, that's, that's the elite talent that you're talking about with Brees Hall. I mean, just the suddenness that he's able to make that jump um, fools two guys. And then obviously what a block by your guy. Uzama. I just, I don't know. We, yeah. we didn't talk about it really, but I just figured that should be uh shout out. I guess we'll go push here. Um, begrudgingly uh, receiver. I mean, I think Garrett is the best receiver in this game, but the Chargers receiver room is definitely better than the Jets. So, yeah, receiver goes to the Chargers. Tight end. Both teams actually have pretty solid uh, tight end tight end rooms with Jared Everett and, and Donald Parm. Um, I don't know how you feel about this one. But I mean, um, they've certainly been more effective, but is that just quarterback? Or six is touchdowns that- between them. But like you said, could be more quarterback. We like Conklin. We like Ruckert. Yeah, we'll it just feels like it would be biased. Like, yeah, you know, if anyone else in the league was looking at this and they're like, oh, six <laughs> touchdowns, Jets have what one from Uzama. Yeah, I think you'd have to give it to the Chargers. Uh, offensive tackle, uh, Slayton, uh, Slater and Pipkins versus probably Becton and Mitchell. We'll see about Dwayne Brown, but 
Yeah, Chargers. It's probably Chargers. Yeah. Oh boy, this is this is the first time I think the Jets have gotten down uh, this badly. Interior offensive line again, I think has to go to the Chargers. Um, yeah, pretty much a clean sweep for the Chargers on offense. I guess that's not too surprising. The Jets not even because the Chargers are great, but it's just yeah, Xavier Newman out there. Yeah. So. <laughs> hey, Tibbin could be the difference maker though. Um, if Tibbin comes back, maybe we have more of a conversation. Yeah, but I'm assuming he won't play. I know he's limited, but we'll see. All right. Um. Let's go edge rush. I mean, Bosa and Mac versus Huff, Johnson. Throw Jermaine Johnson in there as well. McDonald, if he plays Lawson. Where do you, yes. where do you go? Yeah, okay, thank you. Uh, the Chargers. Just the way those guys have played this year. Defensive tackle. I think you have to go with Quinn in here and the Jets. I mean, yes. yeah. All right, linebacker. It's going to be tough finding a team outside of maybe San Francisco that you'd give this one to over the Jets. It's been a... Corners, Jets. Yeah, okay. We just fast forward. Corners, Jets. Safety. I did see Derwin James bite on a on a on a play to DJ Moore that should have allowed a touchdown. So you know, but he's still a good player and a captain. Probably Chargers, right? Ah, I don't. They, I don't know. The Jets' safety has been thirty second ranked pass defense. Yeah, how can you give it to? I mean, also, who is this guy? Alohi Gilman. That's their starting three safety. Alohi <laughs> Gilman. Analysis. I don't know. If, I don't, if I've never heard of you, I think that's a pretty good. I mean, although how many that's how it works. I never heard, people of, heard you, of Tony Adams. Good. Although I guess yeah. Tony Adams had the game stealing pick against the. All right, safety Jets. Fine. Um, special teams that have a hard time believing the Chargers would win this one, but we're not going to include that. Derwin James five penalties this year. Yes, we're giving it to the Jets. All right. All right. Uh, last one. Coaching. People have been wanting us to include this. We've included it last week. Um. It's hard for me to comment on the Chargers coaching outside of I see a lot of Chargers. I feel, like I, feel like I never see anything positive about. Uh, it's always Staley. about firing Brandon Staley, so maybe we'll <laughs> give him coaching to the Jets. They got Kellen Moore as OC. You know, he's probably better than Hackett. Basically, but. Chargers got everything on offense. Jets everything on defense. All right, well, that's the pay per view matchup: Chargers offense, Jets defense. Except running back is even, but coaching to the Jets, special teams to the Jets. Maybe that puts some. It's, over a, the it's a good matchup. I think. It's yeah. a good matchup. I think it's going to be a fun game. You know, if if they open it up like they did against the Chiefs and just let Zach throw and live with some of the mistakes that he could make, um, who is who is your you're writing it in all caps on our Google Doc right now? But your Jets <laughs> X factor for today or for this game on Monday, who is it? Jermaine Johnson. Yeah, I there went is. over it a lot in this one, but like, there's just to me like X factor means like what is the difference between the best you could realistically do and the worst? And for Jermaine Johnson, we've seen. Four weeks of him really struggling and just not creating a lot of pressure, and now three games of him playing at an elite level. So there's such a wide range with him, and now he's going up against Rashawn Slater, who's great competition. That is the definition of an X factor, especially against a quarterback and an offense like this. He's got to come through. All right, you want to hear mine? Let's hear it. Alan Lazard. I think that yes. charges good, are going to shade. Very charges are going to shade over to Garrett Wilson the entire game. They're going to bracket him. They're going to really force the Jets to try to go elsewhere. They could still, you know, like you said, Asante Samuel has been pretty brutal this year. So Garrett will win his matchups, but they're going to be opportunities for other guys in this offense for one-on-one shots down the field. And I think Alan Lazard's the, the Jets guy. I, I like Malik Taylor. I almost said him, but it's like we don't even know if he's going to be activated for this game. Or even Charles could be back. Maybe so. Who knows? Um, so I'll go with Lazard. I think that's that's the key to really unlocking this Jets passing offense is they need somebody else outside of Garrett Wilson. And then if you if you just if somebody's able to step up, defenses are already keying in on Garrett Wilson. That person could have a huge season. And I think Lazard, you know, he's he, he I think I like what he brings to this Jets offense. They obviously need to add somebody else probably in the offseason to 
who can win those one-on-ones. Maybe maybe it's Malik Taylor. Maybe he's the the second half star of this Jets season. But for right now, I think Alan Lazard needs needs a big game. He needs he needs to do what he did against the Chiefs, which is step up, be Zach Wilson's best friend, be big on third down and in the red zone, and then yeah, ha- dial up a few deep shots to somebody not named Garrett Wilson. I love I love the Garrett Wilson deep shots, but they're going to have their opportunities going elsewhere. So I'll say Alan Lazard for for this one. Um, last thing, random predictions. One offense, um, one defense, then we'll go to the score. Well, how did our predictions go? I said McDonald strip sack recovered <laughs> by Jermaine Johnson and Randall Cobb touchdown. So not great. You not said great. two Quinn sacks. Oh, that didn't happen. Record Rough. touchdown. I wish. Grifco said we'd get six sacks, which four sacks on like seventeen plays. Yeah, it was also good. you know, quick fun fact: like that was the high, uh, third highest sack rate in Jets history in terms of sacks out of the pass plays. Jeez. So they would have got six sacks if the Giants passed the ball more. I mean, this is also uh, Rivka kind of nailed it. She also said Hall plus Garrett for at least 180 yards. I'm pretty sure they were just past that. Um, so her random predictions were pretty great. Nice. As for us, we got to step it up. Yeah, we got to step um, it up. Well, I think you're getting too hyper specific. And I'm maybe. Being... I do. Like, I, I'm playing those bets that are like plus 10,000. Like, I'm just trying to hit the one during the season, get the big prize instead of winning consistently. Uh-oh. Let's hear. Let's hear. Let's get a realistic one. Every year, every week, we go like tight end touchdown or some random guy. I'm gonna say, you know what? I associate the Chargers with very weird errors, especially special teams errors. I'm gonna say Jets get a blocked field goal in this game. Oh, okay. There we go. Wait, why do you associate them with weird special teams errors? Am I being stuck? That's just what they do. I don't. I don't know. I, I, right. I just feel like they always lose to like a missed field goal or some ridiculous special teams error or something. All so, right, I'll say I'm gonna try to put a player in this. Let's say Michael Clemens had one last year. I'm gonna say Michael Clemens blocked field goal. Right. He had the offsides this week. Yeah, I was pretty handsome to block a punt. And let's, so maybe he redeems himself this week. Clemens blocked field goal. All right, I'm gonna go CJ Mosley force fumble. I think somebody's gonna force a fumble in this game. I was stuck between Quincy and CJ. I'll go CJ Mosley. And Zach Wilson in. rushing touchdown. All right, that's that's your offensive prediction. Zach Wilson rushing yeah. touchdown. I'll go. Yeah. They they hit a they hit a deep ball to Lazard for over forty yards. So Lazard deep ball. Maybe is that too conservative? Okay. I don't think that's conservative. All right. I guess. I mean, how many times does that happen this year? I don't think it. Has. All right. Score prediction. Well, I am six and one this season now with my seventeen to nine prediction. You said twenty-seven to ten. No, I shut up. Win. I no, I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. I, thought, I didn't know it was going to rain that hard. Fair enough. Um, so I'm going for a seven to one record here, and I I have New York Jets twenty, Los Angeles Chargers twenty-three. Oh <laughs> all right. Well, you're trying to protect the record here. Either either your record improves or the Jets win. Um, all right. Edging my bets here. See, my bets don't matter because obviously I'm I'm biased here. Obviously, it's hard for me to not predict the Jets win. In fact, I well, might as well say Jets now, so you could gain on me. I think the only I think the only game I predicted as a loss was the Eagles game. <laughs> um. So, well, because of that, though, Michael, maybe the maybe the superstitious thing is to to pick against the Jets. But you know what? I think this is a good matchup for the Jets. I trust this Jets defense to limit this Chargers offense and to frustrate Justin Herbert. Um, I do worry a little bit about Austin Eckler and some of the things that they, they like to do with him against this aggressive Jets front. 
But ultimately, I, I believe in this Jets defense's ability to force turnovers, create big plays, sacks, hold in the red zone to field goals. And then this is an advantageous offense for this Jets offense. Uh, it's an average, Jesus, advantageous matchup for this Jets offense. Thank you. It's a very wordy sentence. Um, but it's just the pass rushers. I mean, it's it's Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. I know they haven't been that good on, on the stat sheet, but you watch that Bears game. It's like, okay, that they still look pretty good to me, especially if they're going up against Xavier Newman and, and Max Mitchell. Um, so I think the Jets need to be aggressive, live with any of the mistakes Zach Wilson has, take some deep shots down the field, and I think they will. Clear skies. I think Zach Wilson rises to the occasion in prime time. Maybe the Jets are wearing their white on black uniforms. I say the Jets win. I'll go 23 to 17. You like that? All right. I hope so. I, I just feel like that. He's been, they won three in a row. They had some close calls. I feel like Chargers offense, they're more due to be four and four. Like both these teams being four and four makes more sense to me than Jets being five probably. and three and Chargers probably. three and five. Probably. Um, but I haven't scored 20 points, so an offensive explosion here. Just uh, I think a, a good quarterback finally gets the Jets' defense's number. Damn, it's another more Dak Prescott shade. Um, <laughs> uncalled for. I like Prescott. I like the Cowboys. Yeah. Also, let me change my score here because I realize it's the exact same as the Chiefs game. So Jets 21, Chargers 26. Okay. Is my new score. Also, by the way, you mentioned potentially white on black uniforms. Brees Hall has broken the news. He says with a face emoji that we are getting all white again. What? After he he advocated for white jerseys and black pants, which you know maybe he saw my post because I was I did a little poll. I asked people what they wanted. He does follow 50%. you. So that's not that's not a he does. To say. So not out of the question. More than fifty percent said white on black, and he advocated for. It. He said at New York Jets, can we wear white jerseys and black pants this week, please? And he posts after that all white again with a face palm. So. You're not getting the almighty white on blacks. And and I, I like the all white jerseys, but it's like I like the white on black too. And they had good luck in it last year. It's prime time. So I I was, think they, they I have plenty of time to change their decision. So hopefully, hopefully they go white on black. Um all right. Uh, I'll do the plugs. We can get out of here, I guess. Uh follow us at CYJ Pod on Twitter. Michael, Michael underscore Nanny, and myself, Ben W. Blessington. Go to jetsxfactor.com, best place to go for Jets content. Uh, if you can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. I think that's it. Thank you, Ray, for listening. <laughs> Have a great weekend. Uh, enjoy the game on Monday. We'll be back on Tuesday. Go, Jets.